Hello, how the tech are you? We have a tech and great show. I'm not asking anybody how the tech they're doing on, on the show because we've <laughs> we've killed that joke. Uh, anyways, this is our <laughs> this is our weekly tech show on Echoplex Media. We talk about tech news and pretty much anything we feel like talking about in tech and related subjects and science. We do some science. Science is good. I am historian Matt, and I usually talk about some new stuff, and I do have a little bit of science news, but I'm also teaching HK how to program in a real language, that one called Lisp, and I've got Learn to Lisp Part 3 on my docket for today. So what I'm covering for today, uh, first part is monkeypox. We got uh, an update on the monkeypox virus and what's going on there. Not a whole lot. It'll be a short one, but I do. There, there's been some changes recently, so I want to cover that again. And then, as I said, learn the list part three, and it is called Listomania. We're going to be talking about lists. So, the guy with the pink mic. I'm HK Perrin, and I am a software engineer, so I like to cover software engineering news. Uh, I will also cover system administration news, which is not the same thing as software engineering. Uh, and speaking of that, I have some sysadmin news related to the best programming language, far better than Lisp. <laughs> uh, WordPress 6, which is written in PHP, the best programming language. <laughs> WordPress 6 came out recently, uh, so I'm going to talk about that. And I'm going to talk about Electron 19, which is something that's actually written in a really good language. Uh, well, I guess... Electron is half written in C and half written in JavaScript, so both are great <laughs> languages. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm going to talk about Electron 19, uh, and then uh, over to Dave. So I just got two stories this week. I got a GNOME shell. It's going to be uh, working on a mobile device maybe sooner than you think. There's a, uh, It's called Fosh, and they got it working on a Pine phone. HK probably thinks that's interesting. And then... Uh, New York State passed the first real right to repair bill. So we're going to talk about the right to repair and your devices. So this uh, is my pine phone. It's the Manjaro edition. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I believe Matt is first. So take it away. Yep. Let me get my slideshow up and going. Um, so I'm going to be talking about uh, this is not what I'm going to talk about first. I gotta talk about monkeypox first, not learn the lisp. So first thing on monkeypox, um, it's been spreading, unfortunately. And in the US, we are monitoring the US is monitoring about four hundred people who may have been exposed to monkeypox. We have twenty-one confirmed cases across eleven states. So that's significantly more than we had before. We only had a few cases before, and now we're up to 21. And 400 people uh, were, were tracking to make sure that they don't actually develop it. So they were exposed at some point. Uh, I don't think any of them have con been confirmed yet. Luckily, there's been no deaths in the U.S. yet for uh, monkeypox. But uh, it's possible. We don't really have enough cases in the cases increase, it has about a 1% death rate and we could start seeing deaths. And I really hope we don't get, we don't get to that point that we can actually stop it. Um, 
Any questions on that part before I go on to transmission? Uh, I just think it would be really ironic if like not only have the millennials been hit with multiple once in a lifetime financial crises, but if they're also hit with multiple once in a lifetime pandemics. Yeah, that would be pretty crazy. Although I want to point out that uh, most financial crises are once in a lifetime financial crises because they're different every time, if that makes sense usually something else that's causing a problem every time. Uh, most of the time we actually fix what the problem was after the fact. We didn't do a great <laughs> job this last time. Anyways, we're not talking about financial crisis. We're talking about monkeypox. And quickly, I want to cover uh, just trans for transmission. It is transmitted human to human through close contact, like skin to skin contact. And it is possible for a respiratory transmission if you've, you know, been had prolonged face-to-face contact with somebody with monkeypox. Uh, there seems to be some rumors going around that it is sexually transmitted, and that's not really correct. I mean, you can get it through sex, but it's actually it's the the close contact, you know, the skin-to-skin contact in prolonged face-to-face contact that's actually doing the transmission. So be careful out there. Hopefully we can actually stop this one before it gets started. It doesn't seem to spread as, as well as COVID-19. So we could get lucky there. So what you're saying is if you're going to have sex, don't be face to face. Well, no, cause you're still touching. <laughs> are you, are you telling me that members of our members of the Congress have been lying about monkeypox being transmitted specifically through gay sex? Uh, have they been? I haven't actually been uh, following that, but I have heard rumors that uh, s- some people have been spreading that that lie. Yeah, members of our members of Congress again. Oh, good. I, of course, I, I, I should have known. We learned about it last night. Fun times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I wanted to say that it's not specifically sexually transmitted because your usual methods of safe sex is not really going to help because it's not transmitting that way. Transmitting so, from the skin to skin contact, like your arm. Yeah. Or whatever. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. yeah pretty much. You should still practice safer yeah. sex though. Yeah. Exactly. Full body condom. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's, that's all I got on monkey box. It's a developing story. I will continue to follow it and um, give updates, but hopefully I will not have to give up updates for much longer doesn't look like it's going that way unfortunately uh i'm gonna move on to my second topic learn to list part three listomania so listomania i'm gonna be talking about lists in lisp and that's gonna be a little confusing for lisp and lisp because that's where the name comes from but uh i'm actually not going to talk about lists that much um, I'm going to talk about sequences or seek, and that is actually an interface in closure. So last week I mentioned that instead of talking about common lisp, I was going to switch over to closure, which is a version of lisp that runs on the JVM. So this is how closure works. It, it actually has something called an iSeq, which is an interface. 
And an interface is a, a Java construct that basically just says, it's not an actual class, it just says, hey, this class implements these functions and, and stuff and, and has this stuff on it. Uh, so it can be applied to pretty much any object in Java. And because Clojure is based on Java, that's where it comes from. You can actually implement interfaces in Clojure too. It's a little bit funky, but this is where the, the basis comes from. Common Lisp, I'm pretty sure, does something very similar, but not exactly the same. Um, but basically, what you have to do for an iSeq is implement these three functions. The functions are first, rest, and cons. So I've already talked about first and rest. I'm going to cover a little bit of first again uh, in this talk, but I've not talked about cons. So I'm going to go on to that. But um, real quick, first pulls out the first item. And I have a collection here because that's what it actually, or C-O-L-L, that's what uh, it has in the uh, um, docs for a closure. But it's any seek, basically, which is seek is basically something that implements iSeq. So first on a seek, we'll return the first thing, first item in that seek. Rest returns everything but the first item in the seek. And then cons, which is the new one, takes an item and the seek or, or uh, collection. And cons will add the item to the beginning of the, the given seek. So with these three items, we can add and remove basically uh, items to the seek. And, Does it stand uh, for step consolidate? What was that? Does it stand for consolidate? Uh cons uh i think for construct oh, okay yeah so yeah i think con stands for construct because you're adding an item and you and basically that's how you could uh construct an entire seek by just adding items one after the other at the beginning uh, so i think the first thing i have after that is real quick i showed some examples of i'm showing some examples of cons so uh, the first one i have the it's actually a list that has numbers two three four and five in it we're going to cons one to it so passing it to cons you you have the the number i'm going to add first so one and then the list of course you can add anything to a list i'm just using numbers for examples so cons one to the list two three four five you end up with a list containing one two three four five in that order and then the second version I have is the same thing, except instead of a list, I'm using a vector that contains two, three, four, five. And this is kind of important because when you cons the number one onto the vector of two, three, four, five, you don't end up with another vector. You end up with effectively a list. It's a seek. And I'm sure internally it's not exactly a, a list, but it looks like a list. It is not the original vector. That's the important part. Uh, and it's, one contains one, two, three, four, five in that order. And then quickly at the end, I've added some special cases. So consing one into an empty list will obviously just put one return a list containing one. And then the kind of confusing one is consing one into nil gives you a list containing one. And I'm sure you're wondering what nil is because we haven't covered that yet. 
Any questions, HK? No. Okay. Uh, the the uh, nil is null. That's it's comes from Lisp back in the early days of Lisp. For some reason, they decided to call null nil. Don't know all the de details of that reason, but uh, it continues all the way into closure. So it's exa exactly the same. Nil is just the uh, the what was it called the um, the symbol that we use for for null. If you pass nil into something that's in the like a Java side, so because you can talk to Java from closure, nils will become nulls and vice versa. So pretty straightforward there. But I wanted to mention it since I haven't mentioned it before. So another version that we, uh, another function that's very similar to cons and it can get confusing is one called conj, C-O-N-J. Uh, I think that's short for conjoin. And that works a little different from cons. I wanted to, to mention and go over it real quick. So uh, the first obvious difference is for conj, the function conj, you have your seek first, and then you have the item to add to it. And I didn't show it on the, on the slide, but you can actually add multiple items and it'll just do it one at a time. And the big difference between conj and cons is it keeps, it'll return the same type that's passed in, I think for pretty much every version. So every kind type of seek you pass in will return the same type. But where it actually adds the items depends on the type of seek. So if it's a list, it's easiest to add stuff to the beginning of a list. So if you conj the list two, three, four, five, and you know add one with conj, it'll put the one at the beginning of the list, and you end up with a list one, two, three, four, five. But a vector is different. So if you conj one to the vector containing two, three, four, five, it's actually easier to add stuff to the end of a vector. So that returns a new vector with one at the end. So it's two, three, four, five, one. And then just for funsies, I, I put in conjing nil, uh, conjing one to nil, which returns uh, a list containing one. So that, that's a little conversion. Uh, that's kind of funny why, why you're doing nil like that, but that can be helpful in the future and it ends up avoiding some null pointers. But in a lot of cases we, nil is used as the empty set or something that uh, uh, makes sense for that location or for that type. That makes any sense. I don't know. It's, it tries not to throw exceptions. Now by, uh, by easier saying it's easier to put something at the beginning of a list or the end of a vector, uh, yeah. you're talking about time complexity, right? Yes. Meaning, uh, like it is that operation adding something to the beginning of a linked list is an O of one operation, meaning it takes the same amount of time, whether you've got one thing in the list or whether you've got a million things in the list. Correct. Whereas adding it to the end of the list will be, it'll take more time as more things are added to the list. Um, well, except that a vector is kind of like internally an array. And I yeah. think what it's doing when you add multiple items, it's basically like internally there's like multiple arrays. So it can be pretty close to O of one, or it's probably O of the number of items that you added in. You're adding to the, to the vector. Yeah. I think with Java, uh, cause this is based on the JVM, 
So I, yep. I think uh, internally increasing the size of an array is an O of one operation. Um, it's increasing the size of an array list is, but that's not an array. Hmm. Uh, I don't think you can do that. I don't think it's, well, yeah, it is O of N. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, but this is not Java, um, but it is, I think, internally using an array. But it's all, but remember, a vector is immutable. So you get some advantages of having an immutable object and just like changing around interfaces and stuff, if that makes any sense. I don't know all the details on why that, that's faster, but um, that's what it does. Okay? It's very strange behavior. If, yeah, and it, uh, it can be confusing. And Conj is kind of preferred for adding stuff to Seek sometimes, unless you specifically want to add it to the beginning. Uh, so it can have some unexpected behavior if you're not aware of what's going on. So moving on, uh, I wanted to just cover, so once we have a Seek, we want to get stuff out of it. So I just wanted to cover some simple functions. There's a lot more. But this one is just getting one item from a seek. And in this case, the seek I'm using is vectors because they're easy to, to throw in here. But uh, as I mentioned, we have the first function, which takes returns the first item of a given seek. So in this case, I have the vector one, two, three, four, five. I want to get the first item. That is, of course, one. And of course, they're going to have a function called second, which will get the second item. And so I'm passing second, the vector one, two, three, four, five, and of course returns two, but they didn't want to make a name for every single other position in, in a seek. So they, they came up with another function called nth, which returns, well, the nth item in a seek. And my example here, I'm passing the vector one, two, three, four, five, and the number two as the item I want to get out of it. Uh, or the position I want of the item that I want to get out of it. In this case, so nth is zero based. So the first item in the, the <laughs> vector is at position zero and the second at one and so forth. So passing two means I actually get the number three from the vector. Yeah, I think some, that's that? confusing. That's confusing because like... If you pass a two into nth, shouldn't it be second? But it's yeah, you would not think second. that would be second. It's the second position. Well, the second position of, of a zero index really position, one, right? Yeah, I think the one. the words are just confusing. You know, they are first, second, confusing. and then nth isn't actually. It doesn't directly translate to the number that you pass to it. Right. Yeah, it's kind of weird because in this case, they switch to zero-based, which is really common in programming um, to be zero-based uh, index. Mm. But it seems like first and second aren't, but they're really just words. And for the most part, this is not a problem. I almost never use second. First is pretty common because of certain sort of idiomatic things you do in, in closure and Lisp, but... And nth happens occasionally, but again, you really don't want to like pull out a random number from, well, definitely from a list because 
you have to step through the whole list. Uh, vector it's a little a little better. Um, but uh, it is something you use sometimes. So after doing first, second, and nth, we got some other stuff we want to probably want to do with vec with uh, with seeks in general. So this, as I said, the, I'm passing a vector here, but this works for anything that implements iSeq. Uh, so the next thing we have some more functions for doing that. Uh, what if we want to take some some number? So this is basically uh, taking the first n uh, items in a, a seek of some sort. So the function take takes two uh, arguments. One is the number of items to take, and the second one is the seek you want to take. So my first example, I want to take three from the vector one, two, three, four, five. And that returns a new list. It's probably a seek, um, but a list that just contains one, two, three, because those are the first three items in that vector. Uh, my second example is basically have trying to take more than the number of items that are actually in the seek. So in that case, I want to take six from the vector containing one, two, three, four, five. The vector one, two, three, four, five does not have six items. So we just return a new list containing one, two, three, four, five. Notice it's changed from vector to list here. Pretty straightforward. Any questions? Nope. So if we want to take some number of items, uh, one other thing we want might want to do is drop. Hmm. So drop skips some number and then returns the rest. So by first example, I'm dropping two from the vector one, two, three, four, five. So that's the, the arguments for a drop is the first argument is the number that I want to drop. And the second argument is the seek I want to drop from. So in this case, I want to drop two from the vector one, two, three, four, five, and that will return instead of a vector. Again, it's, it's converting it to a list uh, and the list contains three, four, and five. So it just skips that first two. Now there's some special handling, obviously, like if you want to drop zero, that means it's not going to make any change. So it's just going to return the original items. Um, but in my example here, drop zero of the vector one, two, three, four, five will return a list containing one, two, three, four, five. And it also handles negative numbers by basically ignoring them. And in the case here, I'm dropping negative two from the vector one, two, three, four, five ends up with the list one, two, three, four, five. Any questions? No, it doesn't sound like it. So with take and drop, you can basically use them to take a sub sequence, you know, of, of whatever seeks that's passed in if you um, do it right. And it can be useful for um, other things. So, after these functions, I want to cover a pretty special function that will, that you probably don't use it very often, but um, it illustrates something pretty interesting with the way that seeks are implemented. I think I have this next. So I'm going to talk about range. And I'm sure you've seen range before. Um, and I promise you, I'm almost done with this. Uh, range is a function that it will take a variable number of arguments and we'll talk about that. But this first version of range that I have takes three arguments. The first argument is the start number. The second number is the end. The first number is the start is 
inclusive, the end is exclusive. So it doesn't necessarily end, uh, include the last number. And then the third number that's passed in is the step. So this is a way of generating a sequence of numbers uh, in a range and with, uh, you know, stepping through whatever numbers you want. So in this case, I have a range 1, 10, 2. So it starts at 1, ends before 10, and, and skips every other one by, you know, stepping two at a time. The resulting list is 1, 3, 5, 7, and 9. Pretty straightforward here. And of course, if we change this uh, call a little bit, and let's say we, we drop the step, the number two, and so we just do range one to 10, that's pretty obviously is just gonna return a list that just includes one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine. 10 is not included. And of course, the step is assumed to be one for, for these numbers. That's pretty straightforward. So let's drop another number and see what happens, but we kind of, we don't want to drop the 10. Uh, so we're going to drop the start and just assume the start. So we have range of 10 is going to go through from, uh, it's going to return a list that starts at zero instead of one this time and goes to nine. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Any questions so far? I do have a question actually. What, what if your step is zero? Uh, I have no idea what would happen if your step is zero. Uh, it'll either cause like an infinite loop because it doesn't ever step or um, throw an exception or ignore it because it's an invalid step and decide to, <laughs> to do something else. Uh, I believe your start and end can be negative. If they're in the opposite direction, I don't know. So if your start is after your end, there's a higher number than your, your end. I don't know if it'll actually run it backwards or not. Um, but the, the, each number could be negative. So far, have so you good? heard, have you heard the joke about the QA engineer? No. A QA engineer walks into a bar, orders a beer, orders zero beers, orders 10 beers, orders infinity beers, orders negative one beers. <laughs> Orders a cat. The first real customer comes into the bar and asks where the bathroom is and the bar bursts into flames. <laughs> I haven't heard that version of it the, with the real customer, but that's great. I have heard the, the other one. So we've done uh, three different versions of range. What do you think is next? Uh, <laughs> is there a fourth version of range? Yes, there is. <laughs> And that version got? is no arguments. <laughs> and this actually works. And what that is, if you call range without any arguments, it's going to return a list that includes all numbers uh, starting at zero, all integers starting at zero and, and incrementing from there. And it does not blow up. It does not cause an exception. And the reason it, is dynamically generated. It is lazy generated. It's yeah. uh, a lazy, it creates a, what's called a lazy list or lazy seek. Uh, and so it'll only actually give you the number when you ask where you start, because 
remember you pretty much you just start at the beginning right and and step through you don't go, generally don't go to a random point part unless you like call drop or something um which can step you ahead but it's basically not going to generate the numbers until you actually ask for it and as long as you don't hold on to the head of the list uh it will just as you use consume the numbers it will just drop out of memory as well through proper memory management so in uh in javascript there is something very similar called yeah. a generator yeah which so there's a number of functions that actually thing. do this i just like range because it's funny that there's one version that's in an infinite and usually kind of surprises people uh, but there's a number of other functions that do it um you don't have to do it very often. And sometimes you do something similar and it's not actually infinite, but what we end up doing is you use this other function called lazy seek. And this is how you actually make one of these lazy sequences. Uh, but lazy seek is a function. It creates a new seek, but does not actually instantiate all the elements until they're needed to work correctly. You need to really use it in another function. And I'll show that in a minute. And of course, if you screw it up, you can very easily create an infinite loop. <laughs> when I was testing some of this stuff, I did create an infinite loop or two. <laughs> but uh, here's a quick example. This is my last thing on uh, closure and Lisp. But um, I'm defining a function. Um, I was going to try to do range, but it doesn't quite work the same way as range. So I made this function called infinite range. And it has two versions, one where it takes no values, no, no parameters at all, and another one that takes a parameter, and that's necessary for the actual lazy seek call. So the, the first version that takes no parameters basically just calls itself and you know adds the parameter starting with zero. And the second version, the first thing it does, well, you have to read these kind of backwards, right? So internally, the, the first thing is it's calling this... Uh, uh, increment function. Um, that's the, the function all the way to the right there. Um, and in, and the ink function basically just increments it. It adds one to the value being passed in. And then that value is being passed recursively back to infinite range. So it gets the rest that combined basically says, get the rest of the sequence starting at the next number that's being passed. And in, n is the, the, argument being passed in. And then we want to cons n to the rest, basically, of, of this uh, sequence. So we have cons n, and then the function infinite range, and then inside that, ink n. Now, if we did just that, that would cause an infinite loop, um, and it would just cre keep creating this uh, sequence that's longer and longer and longer. But we don't want to do that. We add in lazy seek in front of all of that. And what that does is lazy seek, it returns the interface I seek, but doesn't actually like call its body, doesn't call all the any of the functions in its body um, until something is one of the functions on that uh, the I seek is called basically. So it instantiates the, the value. So, and the body of lazy seek, basically the parameters passed into the lazy seek has to return a, 
another seek basically because that's what's going to end up being used when it's actually instantiated and of course i have an example of this down here at the bottom uh we're calling infinite range without any values but i don't want to just do that because i want to show what it does so i take 10 take the first 10 and it returns a list containing one two three four five six seven eight and nine so you'll notice take actually does instantiate uh the the list that or the sequence that's given to it and gets the could first you, numbers could you start it at negative infinity could I start it at negative infinity? I don't think so because of the way cons work. Well, I don't think you can because of the way increment works. <laughs> um, what is negative yeah. infinity plus one? Yeah. Just also negative infinity. Right. Yeah, that wouldn't work. So no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was thinking like maybe if you use conj and then use vectors instead of sequences because then it would add it backwards, but I don't think that would quite work, right? Mm. That makes sense. You'd call first and it would just blow up. I mean, on the other hand, what you can do is use the other function called deck and start at zero and go to negative infinity. Um, yeah, but that's not... That's not but as that's fun. not as fun. <laughs> I want an but, yeah, all-inclusive range that includes all integers. Yeah. <laughs> so that was my attempt at blowing your mind again. So you can make uh, infinite sequences in Lisp, and it just works. Yeah. Uh, you can do the same thing in JavaScript. Just let yeah. you know. <laughs> I think Java now supports it some somehow. Um, I know they have streams, but they totally messed that up. Uh, but that's all I got for this. So I'm going to go ahead and shut down my slideshow. The way you do it in JavaScript looks a lot less uh, elegant than that one. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty straightforward. So I said, like, you can do it to make infinite lists like that using lazy seek. But sometimes you use lazy seek for something that's not infinite. For example, you want to make a list uh, from something you're reading off the hard drive, like from a file or something, you may want to use lazy seek so that you're not actually like reading from the file until you actually want something. Right. Yeah. And in that way, it kind of works like a stream. Yeah, exactly. Right? Where you could, you're essentially buffering data into the stream and then, yeah. Uh, reading so it out. actually in closure, um, not only do you pretty much use the lists like streams, but I believe streams are do implement iSeq ah. and are a list and you can consume them the same way. Neat. There's some weirdness, like the different way you use streams in, in Java, but yeah, you can do that because yeah. you can do stuff like if it's a, a byte stream, I believe you can wrap it in a reader and either do a list of lines instead of uh, bytes or you can get like characters out or, or tokens if you have a reader that, that tokenizes the stuff. Okay. That's cool. Cool. So I guess you're up, right? Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like chunked encoding in HTTP. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I'm up. Uh, 
My first story is about WordPress 6. Uh, in case you don't know, WordPress is a content management system that powers most of the websites on the web. And by most, I don't mean the biggest ones. I just mean like most in terms of sheer numbers. Uh, WordPress has, what is it, like millions of websites are powered by WordPress? Yeah. Everybody uh, who has and, their like little website for their whatever yep. hobby uses uh, WordPress. Yeah. My company website is a WordPress website. <laughs> Uh, and this release is all about themes, or at least you'd think it was reading the first half of this, uh, this post from them. Uh, there were tons of improvements to theming in this version. Uh, so themes got uh, an especially good workover in this version. Uh, and then another pretty notable new feature is there's a new thing called page patterns, uh, which are essentially just templates. So, like, if you're creating an About Us page, which pretty much everyone has, you'd use the About Us pattern. So, yeah. I'm surprised to learn that WordPress didn't have page templates before. But, who knew? <laughs> uh, my next story is about Electron. Electron 19 just came out. Uh, or actually, it came out I think a, a couple weeks ago, and I, I missed it, but I'm talking about it now. Uh, Electron is an app development platform that uses Node.js and Chromium. So a lot of the... I think I talked about this when I was mentioning uh, that I was working on an Electron app. A lot of the apps you probably use and love are written in Electron. Uh, some big notable ones are uh, VS Code is written in Electron. Uh, you've got Discord written in Electron. Uh, the Spotify app is written in Electron. Uh, but yeah, so Electron 19 is not a huge release, but it does. Uh, it is now based on Chromium 102, so one of the newest releases of Chromium, or I think possibly the newest release of Chromium. Uh, and Node.js 16.14.2. So nowhere near the newest release of Node.js, but at least it's Node 16 and not Node 14. Uh, so you get a lot of the really nice features of Node 16. Uh, and that's... Uh, or actually, I do want to talk about something else regarding Electron. So I'm working on an, an Electron app, and I recently, like today, the day I'm, we're recording this, I just started using Electron Builder and man, it is so cool to just be able to like run one command and have have it spit out on the other end a .exe that you just double click it and it'll give you a warning that it's not signed because I haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> but then you say, yes, let it change my computer and bam, your whole app is installed right there. And you can add things like file associations, right in your uh, package.json. Uh, you can add uh, icons for your app and for, for the files that are associated with it. Uh, it is very cool. Electron Builder is, uh, is a really powerful piece of software, and uh, so is Electron. So, yeah, some big news there. Uh, but that's it for me, so pass it over to you, Dave. 
All right. <clears throat> I just got a couple things this week. Um, one of them is just going to be real quick because I don't believe in it. Um, <laughs> so forever, Linux people have been wanting a Linux phone, like not just an Android phone, like a phone that kind of reminds them of their desktop. Well, <clears throat> there's a thing called Fosh, and this article that I have up here from OMG Ubuntu claims that it might be getting close to being something that regular people can use, and uh, I don't really believe it. It says it's coming along nicely, and I just don't believe it. Um, they did get it working on a Pine phone, though, and I know HK has a Pine phone, so... Um, Wait, is this is this Fosh or Gnome Shell? Fosh. Okay, because Fosh was working on Pine phone. Yeah, is it that... is. Oh, okay. You can see it down here. Oh, yeah. But the idea, what what people really want is like to be able to just install Linux on whatever phone they have and not have to go buy a, a specialized piece of hardware. And this is what this project actually hopes one day to do. And I'm not I'm not confident, and I'm not buying a Pine phone. <clears throat> That's well, not. I would recommend a Pine phone just because they're super cheap, and it's cool to watch the development and be able to like get to play around with it. But I've talked to people who said they daily drive a Pine phone, and I'm like, what the hell's wrong with you? Daily driving this thing would be an absolute nightmare. Yeah. As much as I love Linux phones, uh, <laughs> they are not ready. <laughs> So the story, the the story that uh, Matt actually gave this to me because Matt had plenty of stuff this week for himself. Um, New York State passes the first real right to repair bill. The governor hasn't signed it yet, but it seems, um, at, well, from what I know about New York State politics, that's a foregone conclusion. The governor's going to sign this one, and it's going to require device manufacturers to share tools, diagnostic information, and uh, other other things that'll help people repair their devices. And I think that's really, okay. really good. Um, I imagine it's not going to be a perfect bill. I imagine there's going to be some problems with it and it's not going to work exactly like it should, but it's the first one and it's a big state, big, powerful state. And so I think that's, you know, better than it being like a less big and less powerful state because, uh, like <clears throat> if it's written well, these companies are just going to have to make their devices repairable across the country to comply with New York because they're not going to make a New York version. That's stupid. So this is yep. big, big news here. Yeah. I'm super excited about this. But they might so, only make the parts available within New York. I think the bill was uh, written so that you had to make manuals and including repair manuals available. Do you remember what the limitations are? Did you write them down? I think a big limitation that I think is going to piss off a lot of people or a particular particular group is it was not going to apply to agricultural devices. Oh, that's where yeah. like a, that's where like that's one of those things too where like city folk and country folk were able to come together on some policy that that, yeah. that, that we care yeah. about because yeah there's why they should be able to repair their tractors so this is like reply yeah. this is like consumer electronics mostly or this is a right, consumer exactly. electronics focused bill yeah and that was like uh there was a big push because particularly John Deere was starting to add stuff to keep people from being able to repair their own tractors and, and farmers like not starting. They've been doing that for years. Okay. Sorry. So <laughs> they've been doing it for years. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, and farmers are getting really pissed off because if their tractor breaks, they, you know, they're out, you know, in the middle of nowhere, right. They're on a farm 
they can't get a repair guy out uh, and they want to get, you know, they need to get their tractor fixed so they can do farm stuff. They got stuff to do right now. And they used to be able to just repair their, their tractor or at least get it running again uh, for now and then take it to the repair guy to get it properly fixed later or something. Uh, and that has been a culture that's been around for a long time. And now more and more, they can't do that. Yeah. Yep, there's a lot of great things about technology. This is not one of them. Right. Yeah. Tractor as a service is not actually good. Yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> Definitely not. I mean, that's it's, it's funny to call it that, but that's what it ends up being. If you have to keep going back to the company just to do even like simple repairs. I'm sure there are major right. repairs that oh, and overhauls that you need done that you'd want to take to like a one of like a certified whatever for you know John Deere anyway because they're going to do it right and it's going to you know they're going to warranty it. But for minor repairs, yeah, this is just tractor as a service, and it's really disappointing yeah. that the bill doesn't cover it. But there, there's just not a lot of agriculture in New York, so maybe by the time California does one, because there's a lot of agriculture here, maybe it'll be a, a oh, different yeah. r- right to repair bill that also includes um a lot of industrial equipment yeah i mean Hopefully. that is a state bill though that's not the city bill and there's a lot lot more land upstate new york and there are some farms there there's a good number of them um also i'm that's from memory i'm pretty sure that's true i think there's a number of other limitations that were kind of surprising but uh, i didn't write them down because it wasn't my article and it's very consumer electronics focused. Yeah, I think it's very, very much just consumer electronics. And that's that's a fault of it, actually, because there's a whole yeah. there's a whole rest of the ecosystem. But like I said, California is a an agricultural powerhouse. So if there was a bill like this in California, yeah. the the agriculture lobby has a bigger piece of the pie here in California. And so I think uh, any such bill that happens here in California will probably, um, not probably, will surely include agricultural equipment if not just more broadly like uh, uh enterprise equipment or whatever not just consumer electronics right. yeah i mean actually there's uh there's so much you know technology in california probably more likely to get one that specifically focuses on agriculture and not consumer electronics right you know well what i mean <clears throat> i mean that's not wouldn't be the worst way to do it too because if, if these companies have to comply with the new york law yeah. Then they'll and That's then now true. they now they have to comply with the California law. Well, now you got both. Yeah. Yeah. These, yeah, these big Just states lead the way in away. a lot of ways. Like our, almost all the emission standards come from California. Like, yeah. For cars, because you a car company has no choice, right? California yeah. puts in a new emission standard. There's so many people here, and so many people here drive cars that they don't have a choice. And uh, New York City's yeah. big for consumer electronics. They probably, they, they, I bet Apple sells more stuff in their apple stores in new york city than anywhere else so yeah a lot of people don't realize that one in ten americans live in california like we have 10 percent of the u.s population yeah so no no wonder that if you have to comply with california regulation you might as well just make that the standard for your company yep (laughs) well cool I'm I'm excited for this, even if it's even if it's imperfect, because uh, maybe it'll be a rural state that passes a right to repair for uh, farm equipment next. That'd be yeah, pretty cool. Hopefully, That'd be pretty cool. Hopefully, this is the beginning of a landslide of these kind of bills. Yeah, right. Because <clears throat> like some of them are like, oh, it's too hard to repair your phone, and it's like, well, if my phone's already broken, and then I break it trying to repair it, 
the same thing's going to happen to me. Like then I have to either buy a new device from you or I take it to you because I screwed up trying to repair it and I pay you the money I was going to pay you in the first place. These right to repairs are like, even if you can't get it fixed, they're like the company has to help you try. Yeah. And that, I don't think that that's unreasonable because the uh, batteries specifically are just like, if your phone's broken and you end up getting rid of it, you just threw in a, you're, you're getting rid of a lithium ion battery. Whereas if you get rid, if you can fix the screen yeah. yourself for very inexpensive, you're not getting rid of that lithium ion battery. And the screen is certainly not going to do as much damage to the environment as that battery. Yeah. Or right. even if you're like throwing away a perfectly good phone, just because the battery doesn't work. And like, that's essentially what you do with iPhones now, since they've made it damn near impossible to replace the battery. Like your yeah. only option is to pay Apple to replace the battery, which is normally very expensive. Uh, right. But then they've always got a deal for, for a loyal customer on a brand new phone. Yeah. yeah. Especially if you can give them your old one with a bad battery as a trade in. Yeah. And they'll, they'll like they're, salespeople or their repair people are like instructed to try and pressure you to get a new item instead of asking for your old one to be repaired. Right. Their their techs are just salespeople. Yeah. Yep. Well. Yep. So I like this bill. We need more. We do need more. Yes. We need more. Well, that was the show. I think it was a good show. We I think that was tighter than the other ones maybe. I don't know. Looks like less than 40 minutes. I went long, but you two went really short, so <laughs> good. All right. Well, thank you for watching, and uh, remember to like and subscribe, and turn the bell on, and go follow us on the Podcatcher apps, and go to our website, and implement a DDoS attack on it. <laughs> uh, try and bring it down. My, speaking of that, which real quick, my website is not on like a $5 WordPress instance, and I dare anybody to try to take it down. You can't take it on a Squarespace website. <laughs> uh, thanks for you watching the, the show, everybody. Check out everything over at ecoplexmedia.com.